Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to Ausbiz from our Brangaroo studio. It's great to have your company for the next hour. You've tuned in to the call. Ten stocks picked by us, or picked by you rather. Uh, I put them to our expert panel plus a stock of the day picked by us. Um, and we do it all in one hour. Um, great to have you aboard today and also to the panel. Let's bring them in. David Lane from Ords in Brisbane. David, how are you, mate? Very well. Good to be here again. Yeah, good to have you here. Kai Chen from NPC Markets is with us. Kai, good to see you. Good to see you again as well. A um, lot happening at the moment. Of course, uh, we're getting into uh, reporting season and a uh, lot of news and information about. Uh, in this half hour, we're going to run the ruler over APA, Amcor, EBOS, JB Hi-Fi and Beach Energy. Um, stock of the day, though, um, thought we'd take a look at the Dexas Convenience Retail REIT reporting a near 6% fall in first half revenue with a net loss of $1.7 million versus um, over $3 million profit uh, previously in the previous corresponding period. Looking ahead, the company has updated its guidance and distribution to between 20.8 and 21.1 cents per share for FY24. And be sure to join us a little later today. We'll speak live with Jason Wheat, the Dexas Convenience REIT Fund Manager on the back of those results. So that's at 3.15 Eastern Daylight Time right here on Ausbiz. But uh, let's see what the uh, what the gurus think of it. David Lane, um, what did you think of the update from Dexas Convenience Retail? Yeah, it was a good update, and I think it just confirms what we think about the business. In that it's, uh, it's a well-managed business, they you know, are able to to manage their um, their facilities very well, and also their balance sheet very well. So they've actually got about eighty-one percent of their uh, debt hedged, and they've got a, an average um, expiry or average maturity of about three point three years. So that means that it's somewhat um, sheltered from interest rate movements and and that's obviously been one of the big concerns that a lot of the market have had with REITs over the last couple of years is the fact that we've got higher interest rates therefore leading to adjustments of value. Um, We have seen that Dexas convenience has picked up quite a bit over the last few months. They were trading at a fairly significant discount in November, but they've improved quite a bit now. Uh, But we still think that there's value in the business. We've got an accumulate on it. uh, And I don't see that today's uh, announcement will will change our our view, um, particularly uh, or any. Uh, So I think that, uh, yeah, if you're looking for a a fairly good um, REIT that has a good yield, uh, yield of about seven and a half, eight percent. I think that it's a it's a good one to 
put into the okay. portfolio. All right. Uh, Kai, what do you think of uh, the update today? Yeah, I think a decent result from Dexus. Um, but for us, you know, we're, we're still concerned with the thematics of office leases, um, you know, with the whole change from uh, in the office to work from home. Yep. I think that trend is still uh, entrenched in the workforce. So That doesn't affect Dexus convenience oh, retail yes. rate, does it? Or uh, no, no, with the yeah. portfolio and things like yes. that. So, what you're saying is you've really got to differentiate what the REITs are in. Yes, at the moment. Yeah, that's right. You know, and yeah. in terms of office spaces, it's uh, you know, that trend is likely to continue. So we're we're still not too. Um, we we prefer probably Goodman Group. I right. think Goodman would be the preferred pick for us. Okay, um, but uh, um, sort of the Dexas convenience retail rate big discount. Has it been dragged down just through poor sentiment for all of the REIT market? Because we had we had national storage and was it Abacus is another storage uh, REIT um, on over the last couple of weeks. They've had they're trading on massive discounts as well. Got nothing to do with commercial or or retail property at all and storage units have been going up in value Mm. but they're on a massive discount just dragged down as a result absolutely you know i think it's all again tying back to the interest rate cycle right um and so just general sentiment that's right yes i think so like that's had a big drag on the market um i think the interest rates will probably still remain um higher for longer and last week we saw unemployment figures in the us come out and it's a substantial beat with three hundred fifty thousand. yeah um so you know i think that rate cut in march is probably off the tables in the us that's yeah, right. yeah yeah and here in australia um in australia it's a bit more mixed because the inflation figures um have come out pretty soft yeah. so I, I actually think you know probably in the latter half of the year we're going to see about two rate cuts coming from the rba okay, okay. Yeah. all right okay that'll be welcomed by a lot of people all right let's get into uh the stocks you want me to put to uh the panel and the first one uh david lane is an infrastructure group apa larry wants a view on that um Australia's largest energy infrastructure group. It's like a uh, a toll road for gas, isn't it? It's a whole bunch of gas pipelines that ship gas yep. right around Australia from fields to uh, to ports and to users. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah a, a pipeline business. Historically, they have started to move a little bit more into some other infrastructure investments, and and that's part of the reason why we've seen the share price under a bit of pressure over the last couple of years the market's starting to come to terms with the fact that it's because it is investing in new assets and in new uh, renewable assets that the growth outlook over the next couple of years probably isn't going to be as high as what we've seen for uh, APA in the past but having said that they are well positioned to benefit from significant government investment uh, and industry investment in in that energy transition over the next few years. So uh, we think that the the market has probably overdone it on the downside, and think that mm-hmm. there is value in in APA Group. Uh, it's got a dividend yield of six point six percent, so you can still get a decent yield for holding those infrastructure assets. And as I say, taking a longer term view, they are well positioned to benefit from the energy transition. But bear in mind that the the 
earnings growth over the next few years may not be particularly high, but if you've got a long-term view, it's it's a good way to get exposure. So we've got an accumulate recommendation on APA. Okay. And um, is it for, as you say, longer-term investors and part of a yield portfolio? Yeah, really. It's effectively a you know an infrastructure type business. So generally, you tend to find those are your more defensive, long-term type of investments. You get a reasonable yield on it, and over a long period of time, you get some growth. Uh, but generally, you're looking for a, a relatively low volatility type of investment. So some people look at these sorts of investments as a bit of a a bond proxy. Uh, if you didn't want you know a, a large exposure to bonds or hybrids in your portfolio, you could use APA and, and other mm. similar sorts of infrastructure investments in, in that sort of vein. Okay. Uh, Kai, what do you think of APA? Yeah, no, I agree with David. Um, I think in terms of uh, supply for gas, it's, it supplies about half the nation's gas pipelines. Um, it has connections between Victoria and Tasmania, and it's you know it's on the path to renewable energies. Um, it's got the biggest uh, remote solar farm in Mount Isa in Queensland. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's got a pretty solid portfolio and it's geared towards that energy transition. Um, I, and it's also um, getting involved in the Pilbara region where they've made an acquisition for Alinta. Um, so yeah, they, that cap raise went pretty well. They raised about 750 million in equity and also um, a billion in new debt facilities. Right. Um, and in terms of price of where that equity raising was priced was at 8.50. So it's trading about around fair value. Right. But what the stock has going for it is that it's got a fairly um, you know substantial dividend. It's got about 6.5 percent dividends um so for us it's a hold um right. but it's not really an exciting stock for us okay so a hold for you and i suppose um like the big super funds have been buying up infrastructure assets over the last couple of years haven't they with sydney airport and the like That's right. uh would this be attractive to a super fund down the down the track does that yeah do, does that play into your thinking about apa yeah you know like at these valuations i think it's fairly cheap um, I, and it's got, you know, it's playing into the renewable energies theme. So I right. think it's got a bit of growth as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it's a good okay. target. All right. Uh, Denise wants to view uh, David Lane on Amcor, the big international plastics uh, packaging group. Sales of 15 billion US. It is huge, isn't it? 44,000 yes. uh, staff, 40 countries. Um, in that rigid plastic packaging for the food, healthcare, personal care market? Yeah, you're right. It, it is a massive business. It's a global business. Uh, originally started in Australia, but it's yeah, it, it's around the world, as you mentioned. Um, Amcor has struggled over the last few years. Historically, it's been seen as a growth company uh, and long-term it's provided some very strong growth. But the last few years, it's struggled a little bit with margins and with costs uh, and the market has been a little bit concerned about the potential of a downturn in consumer spending leading to uh, a lack of um, demand. It will be very interesting. The company actually releases their results tomorrow. Uh, so it'd be very interesting to see those results. So I think what the market will be looking for is signs of a return to growth. 
uh, Amcor management are predicting or guiding that they uh, should generate about 8% a year growth uh, in their earnings. So I think tomorrow's result will be fairly telling as far as um, yeah. how they're going on, on that target right. uh, and whether or not the, the increasing cost will be um, yeah, will be impacting them. We think they're reasonable value. We've got an accumulate re recommendation on them, um, but probably be waiting until right. you know, at least that result tomorrow and possibly after that. So, so don't do it today. Wait for the result. And do you have um, a couple of people, uh, one of your Queensland colleagues, um, uh, Andrew Wyland from DP Wealth Advisory yep. out of Toowoomba, he has a three-day rule that after the result, yep. you don't do anything for three days because usually it, it takes three days to wash through what the market really thinks of it. So when you're yeah, on the cusp of an announcement, is that the way you yes. think? Quite often, yeah, and particularly coming into um, you know, this reporting season when the market will be focused on costs. Uh, yeah, part of that three-day rule, I suppose, is the fact that the company announces on day one. Yeah. The analysts have their initial uh, you know, an initial view, but then they'll uh, release a, uh, an announce or an updated um, report overnight. And quite often it takes a couple of days for that to be reviewed by institutional investors and, and the market. So right. yeah, that does make some sense. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but having said that, if it's a, a positive or negative one significantly, you can see a short-term movement. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kai, what's your view on Amcor? Yeah, I think it's another stable business. You know, it's been around for 150 years. Um, and the, the only thing is, again, you know, the poor uh, retail sentiment at the moment. Um, they've, uh, yeah, they've, they've done pretty well in terms of controlling inflation and stuff like that. And the price has taken a bit of a hit. Mm. Um, I think it's really, uh, you know, they, they've stated in their annual report, basically, they're focusing on cost reduction. So they're aware of this issue. Um, and if they are to, able to bring that into control, then, you know, I think this is a company which is quite stable and also offers some attractive yield. Right. So, yeah. Would you be buying it? I would, I would be holding it. Hold it. Yeah. Okay. So as David was saying, they're going to announce tomorrow. Um, is that what you're looking for? That they've said they're going to cut costs. So tomorrow's announcement, they've got to tell the market whether they've succeeded in that and and how much they've co uh, cut costs by. Absolutely. You know, I think going into a pre-announcement, it's always a risk. Yeah. Um, after you get concrete results in terms of how they performed over the last period, um, I think that's a good time, opportune time to go okay. in. So that's what you're looking for tomorrow. So yeah. if, if any uh, Amcor shareholders are out there and they're waiting for that announcement, that's what the experts are going to be looking at how much of your range you're costing because you, you said you're going to do it, show us you're going to deliver. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Interesting thing to keep in the back of our mind because I think we're uh, catching up with the MCOR chief executive tomorrow on Oddsbiz. All right. Uh, our next stock, uh, Shabu Kai, wants a view on EBOS, the largest pharmaceutical wholesaler and distributor in Australia, New Zealand, Southeast Asia, pharmaceutical companies, public and private, or pharmacies rather, public and private hospitals, day surgeries it uh, distributes to. Um, how do you see EBOS? We, we like EBOS. Um, we've actually recently just bought some EBOS. Um, and the reason why is that they've just historically performed really well over the last 10 years. So they've, they've grown about 15% per annum. 
Um, And yeah, so it's a solid company. um, But of course, you know, you can't really go past the pharmaceutical industry without talking about the merger between Sigma Sigma, and Chemist Warehouse. So their their deal with Chemist Warehouse expires in July this year. Um, E-bosses. Correct. Right. Correct. So that's uh, that big drop down in the middle of last year was when that was all going through. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know, and that's ref- that's been reflected in the market. And, uh, you know, like, of course, it's, you know, the, the, the merger between Sigma and Chemist Warehouse, that's such a, that's such a substantial influence mm. on the market. But there's still a chance that this deal might be picked up by the ACC or the Pharmaceutical Guild. Um, you know, there's a likelihood that um, it doesn't pass. Yep. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, that that's already been the the drop has already been priced in, um, but I think there's still substantial upside. It's well run business. Uh, it's also looking. At, it had a look at potential takeover uh, with Green Cross, so the pet, uh, the vet, veterinary oh, yeah. company. Yep. yep. Um, and yeah, they're diversifying across. So you know, the for the retail segment, it's only about. 40% of the company's revenue line, and they're looking to expand other segments okay. as well. So you have it as a buy at the moment? Buy, yes. Okay. Uh, David Lane, what do you think of EBOS? Yeah, we're not as positive on it. We've actually got a lighten recommendation on EBOS. Um, they're not particularly cheap where they're currently trading, trading on a P of about 24 times, yield of 3.2%. So still a little bit expensive even even though uh, we have seen that share price drop um, the consensus earnings forecasts are that we we will see a, a decline in earnings over the next couple of years and then beginning to rise again in in 2026 um, as Kai mentioned they've lost the the chemist warehouse contract that certainly has an impact on their revenue and their um, potential uh, profit but what it does do is it actually un unlocks a fair bit of capital for them. So as you can imagine, the, the chemist warehouse business is relatively low margin, uh, but EBOS has had to invest quite a, a lot to satisfy that contract. So it's actually freed up some capital. They've just actually uh, increased a stake in a company called Transmedic. So they are, as Kai said, diversifying into other areas. Uh, so it's an interesting business, but I'd probably, yeah, be, um, yeah, cautious on them at the moment. As I said, we've got a lightened recommendation right. on them at this stage. Um, what's the odds view on on Sigma and uh, that whole acquisition, potential acquisition of Chemist uh, Warehouse? As Kai was saying, that's subject to ACCC approval. And you've got the Pharmacy, yeah. Pharmacy Guild against it, which I, I would throw out there and so it's Pharmacy Guild's probably more powerful <laughs> More powerful than the ACCC <laughs> in this area, but anyhow. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, uh, and yeah, Orts doesn't have an official view on it. Um, I've looked at it quite a, a bit and I, I like the deal. I think it makes sense from um, Sigma's point of view that, uh, yeah, as I said, Chemist Warehouse is a fairly low margin business. So having the distribution combined with the, the retail does make sense. Um, but yes, as you say, it's there's a fair bit to wash through. Mm. But I think you know a, a dollar and two at the moment, Sigma's probably reasonable value. I think there's more upside in it at the moment than there is in EBOS. So probably, yeah, uh, if you're looking at, at both, I'd probably be leaning more towards Sigma. Right. Um, but that's yeah, personal view. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. All right. Our uh, next talk, uh, Mike wants a view, uh, David Lane on JB Hi-Fi, the, uh, the big home entertainment uh, appliance products uh, retailer. Was I reading they have higher sales or more sales per square meter of their stores than any other retailer in the world? That could well be the case. I hadn't read that, but yeah, yeah that probably doesn't surprise me. They shove, me. They yeah, shove yeah. a lot into their shops, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely do. Yeah, they uh, yeah they, they put a lot of stock in there. Um, and they've also got, obviously, the JB Hi-Fi as well as the... Um, and Good Guys. The Good Guys yep. uh, business as well. So, um, yeah, certainly a great retailer. It has done an excellent job over a long period of time. But given where the share price is at the moment, we think it's overvalued. Um, we've got a sell recommendation on them, uh, and that's partly due to the, the, you know, the share price rally that we've seen, but also partly due to the fact that the statistics are showing that uh, household goods and electrical items are declining as far as sales are concerned. Um, as, you know, consumer sales are doing very well in, in apparel, but the electric and uh, household goods are actually declining. So a bit of a concern there, uh, you know, as interest rates bite, people make adjustments in their in their own spending. They'll obviously pay off or keep paying their mortgage and then maybe not, mm. you know, buy the new TV or, or buy the new, um, you know, fridge, et cetera. So, yeah, probably a concern going forward about their sales. Okay. Um, but then having said that, a bit of a positive in the in the near term, the newly amended tax three um, uh, stage three changes, tax cuts. Yep. stage three tax cuts, I should say, um, they will actually now benefit more those that mm. you know have less money, uh, and quite often they're the people who who put those uh, tax cuts to to work in, yeah. in spending. So could be a bit of a, a sugar hit for them in the short term, but medium and longer term, we're just a bit cautious on yeah. on JB. And, and that, those terrible retail sales figures that came out last week, uh, which we talk about economic numbers all the time just as numbers, but the reality mm-hmm. of those poor retail sales also was evident on the same day with Godfrey's going into voluntary administration, which is, which is yep. sort of plays in that good guy space, does it? Does that yeah, it does. Obviously, Godfrey's a, a bit more specialty. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, Godfrey's and uh, sorry, good guys, JB Hi-Fi. You know, obviously, sell vacuums as well. Um, but yes, we are seeing pressures there, and we are seeing that uh, yeah, consumers are making those adjustments. Um, yeah. yeah, the Christmas sales were lower, although it did seem that people were um, pre-buying through the the Black Friday sales, but. Uh, yeah, that means that people aren't necessarily out there spending at the moment. Okay. Uh, Kai, what do you think of JB Hi-Fi? Yeah, I'm on the same sentiment as well. You're I, a sell for JB Hi-Fi as well. Sell for JB Hi-Fi. I reckon it's the first time that we've had a double sell for <laughs> JB Hi-Fi since I've been doing the call. It has sort of just been the, the darling retailer hasn't it for years they i mean by all means they are fantastic operators yep. you know like with the with the quote you said about uh, the the, uh, the most sales per square meter i've also read that somewhere um yeah. and you know like like i said they're they're a great operator but 
again with the with the retail sales figures coming out negative 2.7 last mm. month that's really going to be a damper on their profit line i think coming into this year yeah. um so you know I, I guess you know we'll have to wait till reporting season they report on the 12th and see how they do um but i think it's going to be a drag on their profit line okay all right so i sell for um is that reflected in your view of the entire retail sector? Yeah. Are, they, are there any that you think will buck the trend? For us at the moment, we're not really getting to retailers. Um, right. For We're still fairly defensive in terms of our outlook. So we're, we're trying to stay away from them, maybe potentially looking at them in the second half of the year. Yeah, but, okay. um, yeah. All right. Um, uh, David, is that a similar view at odds? Are there any retailers that you see going against the, against the trend? Oh, look, generally we're relatively cautious and, and think that, uh, you know, that retail sales are on the decline. But there are a few of the smaller retailers that are attractive from a, a fundamental point of view. So the likes of um, Shaver Shop, for example, are you know, trading very cheaply. Um, but, but, yeah, generally we're fairly cautious about the outlook for the mm. consumer. Okay. All right. Our next stock, uh, Kai Terry, wants a view on Beach Energy, the oil and natural gas uh, producer, uh, Cooper Basin, Northern Territory, Queensland, New South Wales. Um, uh, Beach Energy and Seven Group have a big stake in Beach too, don't they? That's right. Yeah. Seven Group. Um, they they are probably the third largest oil and gas producer in Australia. So they've got Woodside, Sandos, and then Beach. That's right. right. You know, and they've at the moment they've got two of their assets up and running in terms of production. But um, they they've got a couple coming online this year in terms of forecasts. But I think the biggest issue with Beach Energy is that you know they've traditionally had a lot of issues with um, you know operations and bringing you know assets into production. So you know they had issues in what's here um, and that's been a problem for them for a while um, for us we we don't really like beach energy we think probably a better alternative is woodside right um, at current valuations um, you know woodside is definitely an attractive uh, option to go into but i think in the largest uh, picture um, crude oil you know it's it's really tried and tried to break through the highs of 80s, but um, it's really struggling. You know, it's come off in the last couple of days right. quite substantially. So Okay, so that's a no on beach for you, a yes for Woodside. Does it, does, would that a cha- uh, opinion change if this potential merger with Santos went through? Beach bought, um, Woodside, excuse me, bought uh, BHP's oil assets, didn't it? Now it's in talks with Santos. Is that good for Woodside? Yes, I think um, we're, we're fairly positive on the merger. It will give them a lot of synergies in terms of the assets that they hold. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a very big producer if they merged. Okay. All right, David, what do you think of Beach? Yeah, we like Beach. We think that uh, they're you know a very good business, and the last few years they've struggled a little bit with their um, with their production, but we're now in a in a phase where those troubles are behind them and that they should actually uh, ramp up their production fairly strongly. So we like Beach. We've got an accumulate recommendation on them. Um, the analyst has actually, actually got a target price of $2.50. Uh, wow. So predicting a fair bit of upside for them. Um, they're on a PE of 9.8 times at the moment. So attractively priced. 
their last uh, quarterly result was a very solid one uh, and indicates that you know, they're, they're on the, the right track, uh, particularly as far as the, the Otway Basin is concerned. Um, generally, the oil price probably has more upside than downside at, at this point in time. Uh, so we think that Beach is, is well positioned there. Um, but similar to Kai, we do also like Woodside. Um, we've got a buy recommendation on Woodside and accumulate on, on Beach. Right, okay. Um, Sandos, interesting, Michael, Michael Wayne, was on last week. We were talking about Woodside. He had a hold on Woodside. Uh, he prefers San, uh, prefers Santos, uh, saying that he hopes the merger doesn't go through because Woodside will be getting Santos for a steal and Santos yeah. shareholders won't be com- compensated appropriately. That, well, that's possible. We're, we're yet to really see any detail as far as the... You know, potential merge is concerned. Um, we do like Santos as well. We've got an accumulate recommendation on them. Uh, right. So generally like the sector uh, yeah. and think that you know, most of the companies are, are pretty well positioned. Um, yeah, but as I say, we need to see more detail on the, the merger and whether or not it will actually go ahead long term as well. Yeah, yeah. I th- is it towards the end of this month? I think they're targeting for some sort of follow through announcement. I think that's in right, February. and then I think um, you know if if all goes well around June, July, um, you know the the actual formal discussions would uh, would take mm, place. So okay. yeah, a bit more to see there. Um, on that M and A side, we do actually think that Beach uh, is well positioned in that they've got a very strong balance sheet now, so they could even look at at some smaller acquisitions ah, okay. um, to continue to, to grow the business. Okay, interesting. All right, let's recap the uh, the first five stocks, our stock of the day, the uh, Dexas Convenience Retail uh, REIT, um, uh, buy, accumulate from uh, from David and Ords, no from Kai, uh, prefer Goodman in that space. Uh, APA, a yes from David, a hold from Kai, um, similar with Amcor, uh, yes, from David, um, hold from Kai, uh, but Amcor are announcing tomorrow. So David's saying, look, um, yes, odds like the stock, but wait until after the announcement. Don't get ahead of yourself, see how it all pans out. Uh, EBOS, a, a buy from Kai, uh, a sell, a lighten from David at, at odds. Um, um, in that same space, they have a preference for, for Sigma, which is going through the... Uh, acquisition of Chemist Warehouse at the moment. Uh, JB Hi-Fi, a sell from both David and Kai, and Beach Energy, a buy from David, along with Woodside and Santos, um, a no from Kai, MPC, prefer Woodside in that space. Uh, here on the call, we've been tracking our own uh, fantasy portfolio, High Conviction Fantasy Fund, is picked by the Investment Committee. Uh, the latest uh, episode of the committee meeting is on the platform, um, uh, which is the December one, the February one, will be up this week. I think tomorrow, I think it will be uh, up on the platform. Um, in December, uh, the investment committee decided to uh, buy ResMed, Car Group and Johns Ling, took profits on Wes Farmers, RPM Global and MA Financial and the portfolio is currently up 23% since inception in March 2022. Um, This half hour, Coronado Global Resources, Omni Bridgeway, Ostal, EQT, 
and Mount Gibson Iron. So good mixture of stocks in this half hour. Uh, Lenny wants a view, Kai, on Coronado Global Resources, a coal miner, but this is metallurgical coal, coking coal, which is used in steel plants as against thermal coal, which goes into the power stations. The thermal coal is the stuff that Whitehaven and New New Haven, um, New Hope rather, mainly mine Coronado is the steel one. Um, um, uh, Mines in the Bowen Basin in Queensland, and in the US. What do you think of Coronado, Kai? Yeah, Coronado's okay, um, but... Uh, you okay, know... that doesn't sound too enthusiastic. <laughs> no, there's better alternatives, and I'll, I'll suggest it later. Okay. And the reason why is that the cost of production is just really high. Um, you know, uh-huh. it, it, for them to, to... For the mining costs, it costs about $97. And operationally, that is where really they're, they're lacking, right? So for per tonne of ore, uh, sold, it cost them $150 to, in terms of operational costs. Right. So that that's really what's eating to the bottom line of Coronado, and um, also of course the commodity price for uh, for coking coal. Um, you know, it's at about two uh, two hundred and eighty or so now, but it's really come off in the last two years um, quite substantially. And um, you know that that really contributes to the bottom line. For us, the better alternative we think is Stanmore Resources. Their, yeah. The cost of production for Stanmore is is lower, and they're operationally they're just a better company. Right, and that's the thing. Sort of, we're seeing this in the lithium space at the moment. Is that uh, you get all of these companies in a particular resource, and everyone goes, "Oh yeah, that's a sector I'm interested in." But when it boils down to it, it's how much it costs them to dig the stuff out of the ground. And that, that's your margin. And you're seeing a lot of the high cost lithium producers put their minds into mothballs at the moment or put projects on hold. And it's the same thing in coal, isn't it? Absolutely. Coal's coal, yes, but it's how much you can dig it out for. Absolutely, you know, it's survival of the fittest, right? You yeah. know, in good times, everyone prospers, and you know, generally, even these smaller stocks kind of go up uh, quite a lot as well. Yeah. But when the times are tough and the commodity prices come down, the people who are most efficient with their operations and stay yeah. in business are the ones that comes through on the other side. Yeah. So, what's the difference in terms of cost of production between Stanmore and Coronado? Is yeah. it a big difference? Um, yes. So, in, in terms of their mining cost, uh, Stanmore is probably about uh, sixty-five or so. Um, but operationally, they're just... 65, you're saying Coronado's in the 90s. Yeah, that's for the mining cost, but wow. operation, the operational cost, um, they're just operationally much more efficient. Ah, interesting. Uh, David, what's the odds view on Coronado? Yeah, pretty similar sort of view. We um, uh, had an Accumulate recommendation on them, but actually just downgraded that to a hold following their latest uh, quarterly result. Um, they're... Result was impacted by a lot of outages at uh, the Bowen Basin. They had some some weather issues as well as uh, technical issues. So production was a little bit lower, uh, and we've downgraded our, our forecasts. And as Kai rightly pointed out, they are a high cost producer. Um, our analyst sort of has, has got their cost of production going forward of about $100 a tonne. So, um, yeah, similar sort of view, downgraded it to a hold. We reduced our target price from $1.90 to $1.80, and they're currently trading at about $1.55 at the moment. So still, if you've if you've got the stock, you know, there's enough reason to be holding it. Um, but, yeah, I think 
and we also have a view that uh, that Stanmore is a is a better place um, company. We've got a buy recommendation on Stanmore as well, so okay. same sort of view. All right. Okay. Um, next stock um, on the agenda is is an unusual one, David, isn't it? Liz wants a view on on the Bridgeway. This is basically um, a, an investment fund that backs mm. litigation run by lawyers, class actions and things like that around the world. Yeah, yeah that's right. It, uh, I, I must admit when I looked at it, I wasn't aware of the, the company, but then I realised it used to be called IMF Bentham. So it's been around for quite some time, yeah. uh, specialising in, uh, in that litigation funding. Uh, and as you said, that they are around the world, not just in Australia. Uh, it's one that I would be steering clear of, though. It's you know you can see from the the share price there, it, it hasn't performed well. That's reflective of the fact that its earnings uh, haven't been s- strong at all. Uh, you know their their profit has been declining. Well, they're in fact in losses at the moment. So they last year they lost seventy two million dollars on revenue of fifty seven million. So uh, it's a business where revenues have been declining and it's not profitable. Um, and when you look at their result, it's very, very complicated. Uh, it's really quite difficult to understand uh, you know, their, their earnings that they're getting from the business. So it's probably one that I'd be steering clear mm. of. It's a horrible chart, Kai, isn't it? Uh, not just dipping into five-year lows, but five-year lows by a long way. Mm, yeah, it's, I, I'm the same mindset as David. It's, it's one I would stay away from. Yeah. And it's a, it's a bit of a puffer fish because, you know, you look at their portfolio value for their funds and they've got 30 billion under management. But um, so they basically collect all the, the litigation and with different risk profiles and try to, you know, give the best, best uh, chances of that being sort of profitable. Back, back the winners. That's, that's if, you, exactly if right. you can ever back a winner in a court case. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, it's yeah. like it's like ag stocks. You don't know what the weather's doing, and in this one, you know, it's dependent on what the judge comes down with. Absolutely, you know, and it's like it's also at risk to regulatory reform. And I, I read an article where you know in the UK, someone, you know, one of their clients have refused. Uh, oh, sorry, the, there was regulatory reform. And um, now that's what's contributed to a bit of their loss um, in their their bottom line. Right. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So, too hard. Avoid that one. Yep. All right. Um, Our next stock, Kim wants a view, Kai, on Ostal, the Australian-based shipbuilder, uh, design, construction, and support defence and commercial vehicles, big defence contracts. Um, They've also got uh, their headquarters in Perth and have a shipyard there got one in the United States so they can um, qualify for defence contracts in, in the US, also in Vietnam, the Philippines. Uh, they used to be sort of um, mainly vehicle ferries and things like that, wasn't it? But then got into the US Navy with these, um, um, with these multi-hull high-speed troop transports, haven't they? That's right, you know, and you're exactly right. You know, they made a substantial push into the US uh, last couple of years and gotten uh, a lot of contracts. But that's kind of also been a little bit of their downfall. Um, One of the projects that they had was for the Tatus boat, which is kind of like a towing recovery boat. Um, They'd had to write a substantial portion of that contract down. Um, It was initially valued at about 198 million, but um, they've written off 170 million of that. You know, yeah. So that's that's what's caused they dropped in earnings last year and they've been unprofitable. 
Um, you know, historically they've done okay. Um, you know, they've grown steadily. Um, but I think for us, it's just, if you have it in your portfolio, I think the write-off is, you know, as bad as it gets. And that's come off into the balance sheets. But, um, you know, I think if you have it in your portfolio, hold it. Uh, but if you don't have it, probably not something to get involved okay. with. Um, we do have better alternatives, which is uh, Drone Shield. So, oh, yes. yeah. 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 Oh, yep. That's pretty exciting. And, you know, as you see in the defense sector, um, in terms of the war in Ukraine, we can see how warfare is evolving in terms of drones being actively used. And uh, for Drone Shield, they produce uh, defense against drones. And um, recently, they picked up actually quite a bit of contracts from the US. Uh, yeah, so they've been doing really well, and that would be our defence pick. Okay, so you'd have a buy on drone, drone shield yes. at the moment. Yeah, yeah. interesting. It, was, it came up uh, a few weeks ago um, on the Mathan and uh, Josh Barker uh, right at the time, and and had it as a hold, and with all the research they did into it, said it was really interesting in this space. Um, but David Ostal is is a real strategic asset for. For us, though, isn't it? Um, yes. Uh, and who you don't pick Australia as being um, great at building ships, but but these guys have picked their specialty and they've been doing it for years. Yeah, they have. They've they've as you said had a long history. They do it very well. Um, yeah, we actually surprisingly um, do you know, bat above our weight, I suppose, as far as. Boats are concerned. Um, I know of a number of Gold Coast businesses that that make leisure boats that yep. they sell all around the world for uh, enormous amount of, of money. But uh, yeah, Ostal specialise now in that defence uh, capability, and as unfortunately we are seeing in the current times, uh, demand for defence is increasing fairly significantly. Um, I guess one of the problems for a business like Ostal is that. Uh, it takes a long time to, to obviously make those boats uh, or to build them. And we have seen high cost of, of iron ore and, and steel, et cetera. So you know, ah. the, their costs are high. Uh, and as Kai said, that there's a, a big write-off that they've had in the past. Well, that, that's um, something you, you, don't, can... you don't think about. But it, you're, you're saying they're a bit like builders who have been caught with inflation, increasing cost supply yep. chain issues. If you... And I suppose most government contracts, uh, defence contracts, would be fixed price to try I and deliver it. So that they've been yeah. squeezed. Yeah, in in many respects, mm. that's right. And um, you know, obviously, if you are dealing with the US government, um, they've got a lot of power as far as those yeah. those prices are concerned. Um, so not a high margin business. Uh, interestingly, though, you mentioned the fact that it is a strategic asset. Um, the largest shareholder in Austal is uh, Tatarang Investments, who's, which is uh, Andrew Forrest's uh, investment business. So they've actually got 19.9% of the, right. the business. So, um, yeah, they've obviously got a, a vested interest, um, you know, selling iron ore to the, or steel to the, um, to the shipbuilders. But, yeah, look, it's probably one that it's interesting, but I would steer clear of from an investment point of view. So I can't really see too many reasons to, to yeah. you know, be there to generate returns. Yeah, Andrew Forrest, biggest shareholder. And there was talk sort of second half of last year of uh, a potential offer coming from private equity for Austal as well, wasn't there? Yeah, there have been suggestions around that. Uh, 
we haven't haven't seen it come through as yet but you know that that's a potential um but they're not overly cheap at the moment um so really you're looking for that strategic asset for um you know this sort of business yep okay all right our next stock Aaron, Aaron wants a view uh, david on eqt the old equity trustees the uh, trustee and executive company but has diversified into wealth management, funds management, superannuation, philanthropic services as well. Uh, this is a really, uh, I was gonna say an old company, but I just checked there, established in 1888 through That's an right. act, act by the Victorian Parliament. So yes, yep. it is old. <laughs> yes, it is. It's uh, yeah, very old business, um, been around for a long time. and. Uh, continue to, to do a very, very good job. We've uh, got a buy recommendation on, on ah. EQT and think it's a, it's a good business. Um, they recently made an acquisition or over the last few years of uh, AET, Australian Executive Trustees, um, and they're still generating good synergies from that. So we estimate about you know, $3 million a year as far as synergies from that business is concerned. Um, the part of the business that that's been performing really well is their super business. Uh, so they actually, in their last result, their um, their funds under advice and, and earnings were up about 46% in their super business. So they've been uh, winning new customers there. So yeah, the, the forecasts are actually pretty solid. We've got um, forecasts of earnings growth of about 23% in the next 12 months and then 15% the year after that. So okay. uh, solid solid outlook look we've got a target price of 35 dollars so wow um, yeah some, some reasonable upside in the business absolutely so in that that fund management area that there, there aren't too many pure fund managers as distinct from the platform managers like netwealth and hub 24 that uh, uh that have that sort of potential when you look at sort of magellan and uh yeah yeah, that's right. We we do like uh, GQG, which is one of the uh, competitors to oh, yeah. Magellan and and uh, and Platinum, uh, and they've actually been picking up quite a bit of um, funds under advice as well. So we we do have a buy recommendation okay. on them. But yeah, I think you know EQT very well managed business and and have some yeah very solid upside. Mm. Kai, what do you think of EQT? Yeah, I agree with David. I think um, you know they've they've run the business very well. Of course, they've existed for a very long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and their acquisitions quite interesting with AT. Um, basically, they wanted to diversify. Well, they, they wanted to acquire the client base in Adelaide. Yeah. And um, as you know, as David mentioned, uh, there's a lot of synergies that come from that. Um, you know, yeah, estimate about three mil worth. Um, and we're we're just looking at to see you know whether they can complete that um, implementation and uh, see that synergy come through. Uh, but we think it's a good business. Um, you know they've done well on their superannuation side, as David said. So yeah, we we're, we're putting as by. Yeah, because people have been avoiding these companies for a while now. Um, like it's it's a very different verdict on EQT than say Perpetual mm. that everyone has. Um, what does it do differently? What yeah. attracts you to it rather than, say, Perpetual, which uh, usually it's head for head, is it? Two really uh, old companies that started out in a similar way. Yeah, I, I think with Perpetual gearing more towards the fun side, you know, there's there's probably more variance in terms of their performance 
Whereas, right. you know, for EQT, um, a lot more of it is, because the majority of their business is still in their trustee business, right? right? So, you know- So it's stuck to their knitting. That's right, yeah. yeah. So I think variance is the, the difference. Um, you have performance variance for perpetual, you know, yeah. when, when the market's doing well and they're, they're picking stocks well, you're gonna get a higher performance from perpetual, but these guys are a little bit more stable. Okay, all right, interesting comparison. All right, and uh, our final stock, uh, Kai, is Mount Gibson Iron. Stuart wants a view on that. West Australian-based iron ore mining company, uh, uh, Coolan Island Mine in Western Australia in the Kimberley is its uh, production asset. Um, but also um, they direct shipping of he- from a hematite mine as well. Yeah, you know, it's another one of these high cost iron miners, um, similar to Coronado, you know, the production cost for uh, Mount Gibson is quite high. Um, it's about $80 uh, per US per um, for, for iron ore. Um, and in our opinion, when the prices of iron ore is at 130, they're going to be making some revenue. Um, but again, you know, if the commodity prices come down, it's going to be tough for them. Our alternative pick is probably stay in uh, FMG. Right. Um, that's our preferred. So, uh, pick. okay, it's what you were saying, ninety dollars a ton. Uh, about eighty, yeah, uh, eighty dollars a ton. What's FMG? Oh, it's What's like Fortescue? it's very low. It's about nineteen dollars or somewhere oh, around wow. there. Yeah, substantial yeah, yeah. difference. That, that is a massive amount to the bottom line, as you say, when iron ore prices come down. You just go for the market leader in terms of, of production costs, is that? That's right. That's the bottom line, what you do. Um, so stick with Fortescue. Uh, David, do you have a similar view? Uh, well, not necessarily to stick with Fortescue. We've actually got a, a fairly negative view on on pretty much all of the, the iron ore miners at this right. point in time. So we've got a, uh, a sell recommendation on, on Fortescue and a lighten on BHP and Rio. Um, right. We don't actually research uh, Mount Gibson, so I haven't got an official view on them. Um, but I, again, probably from a, a macro point of view, we're more cautious on the outlook for China uh, and think that at the moment, the, the iron ore price of 130 is you know, probably too high and that we see a lot more downside in it. Uh, and as Kai said, for a high cost producer like Mount Gibson, um, that doesn't leave a lot for, you know, for future earnings. Their last quarterly result was excellent. They had some, you know, very good uh, cash flow that came through from that. And, you know, the signs are good at the moment as far as the business is concerned. But as I said, we're cautious on the outlook for China, therefore cautious on the outlook for iron ore. Um, so it's probably one that I'd be steering clear of as well. But, uh, but, but not just Mount Gibson, you're saying out of Fortescue, even at $19 a tonne uh, production costs, but out of BHP, out of Rio, out of MinRes as well? Yeah. Uh, MinRes, we've got a hold recommendation on right. them, so it's it would be the one that we'd prefer, um, right. but probably really prefer to be in in some of the other, um, you know, other assets. Uh, we quite like South 32, they don't have ex- as you know, exposure to iron ore. Um, and we also like a lot of the gold producers at the moment. So I think that there's certainly uh, upside in copper and gold, more downside in, in iron ore at this yep. this point in time. And, and as a lot of the panellists say constantly, just because 
you have a light on or, a, or on a, a sell on a particular stock doesn't mean it's a bad business. It's uh, just the outlook Ooh. for the commodity. And it doesn't mean yep. you sell and say goodbye forever to them. It, everything no. ha, has a price. Wait, wait for, <laughs> for the share price to come back and then time you run to get back into it. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, particularly in the case of Fortescue, BHP and Rio, they're all fantastic businesses. They've done exceptionally well. Um, and, you know, that's part of the reason, I guess, for the recommendation is that their share prices are up relatively high. Yep. Uh, commodities are, by their nature, very volatile. So quite often it's um, the time to sell is when the, the commodity prices are high uh, on the anticipation that if they decline over a period of time, well, then you can buy the stock back yep. cheaper, yep. Um, you know, once the, the share price comes off. Yeah, I've got, I've got a, a fund manager, mate, who who says you could do very nicely by buying BHP at $40 and selling at 50 yep. because <laughs> it constantly does that. <laughs> it has over a long, long period of time, yeah. Yep, yep. it always drops down to 40 and then at some time we'll get back to 50 So it made good money yep. on it. All right, let's uh, recap the uh, the final five stocks. Uh, Coronado, uh, a hold from David at Ords. Uh, a no from Kai, both agree Stanmore, if you're in that coking coal, metallurgical coal uh, sector, you want exposure to, Stanmore is probably the, the better option there with lower production costs. Uh, on the bridgeway, a no from both, just too complicated. Um, Ostal, a no from David, a hold from Kai, uh, but MPC in that uh, defence area would prefer Drone Shield which is an interesting business that came up on the call uh, beginning of last week as well. Uh, go back to the platform to look for that. Um, Mount Gibson, a uh, EQT, sorry, a buy from, uh, from David Lane, uh, who also likes uh, GQG. Uh, Kai, it was a hold from you, was it, on EQT? Yes. Hold from Kai on EQT. And Mount Gibson, uh, and no from Kite prefers Fortescue in that area. Uh, Ords don't cover Mount Gibson, uh, but they have a sell on Fortescue, BHP and Rio because of their outlook on China and what that will do for the iron ore price for the Chinese steel mills. Um, they prefer uh, the gold sector at the moment and say South 32, which is more into base metals. Uh, David Lane from Ords in Brisbane. Always great to catch up, mate. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure. Thanks and, for having me. And Kai Chen from MPC Markets. Kai, good to have you aboard. Pleasure to be on. Good to see you. Enjoy the rest of the week. Uh, that's it from us for today. If you've got any stocks that you want me to put to our expert panel, go to osbiz.co slash callpicks or tweet us on X uh, using the at TV handle. Look, add questions and comments. We love that when you do it on particular stocks, your thoughts or any particular guidance you want to want the panel to address always makes it a lot more interesting. That's it for us for today. See you same time tomorrow, midday Australian Eastern Daylight Time for another edition of The Call. Thanks for joining. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.